Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. I'm so glad that you're here, and uh, he did dismiss brake liners, correct? Okay. All right. Good. We're good. I asked my wife, and she goes, actually, I don't know if he did or not. So uh, not to throw you under the bus, but there you go. Um, not that we weren't paying attention to you, Jason, when you are up here. Sorry. Um, well, I'm so glad that you're here, and uh, we are excited to start a new series. This is going to lead us right up to Easter. Can you believe Easter is just a few weeks away? That's unbelievable. But like Jason said, we're so glad that you're coming back to the house. It's good to see more and more of your faces. I know there are still some who are, are staying away because they've got some concerns as far as their health, but uh, we're just believing that we're going to continue to see not only some of the old faces that haven't been here in a while, but we're just praising God because we continue to see new people coming uh, and many people coming to know Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So over the next few weekends, I want to take just a few moments, and I want to uh, introduce to you this series. We're going to talk over these next few weeks about The Last Kingdom, and, and what, what made me think of this series was I was actually listening to a podcast at one point, and it wasn't a preaching podcast. It was actually just some guys who I know are believers, and they were sitting around having a conversation, and actually sometimes they talk about spiritual things, sometimes they talk about political things, and a lot of times they talk about nonsense, and so I was listening to this podcast, and as I did, one of the things that one of the guys was talking about where we find ourselves in the world today, and how just crazy things have become, and how divided we are, and how, how hard it is, and, and, and he's just going on and on, and he's like, I don't know about our country, and I don't know if it's going to be able to sustain this, and the other guy who was on the podcast is an older guy, and he was sitting there quietly listening as this man was talking, and eventually he said, he said you know the most amazing thing that we need to remi- remind ourselves is that kingdoms have come and gone, that governments have risen and fallen, but God's kingdom lasts forever. And it was just in that moment that I thought, that's absolutely true. Like we can get so wrapped up in what is happening in our, in the United States today and what if, and what if things fall apart and, and what if it doesn't look the way that we've always thought it should look and all of those things. But the reality is God's kingdom will, will survive. It will be the last kingdom no matter what, it will be the one that will stand in the end. And so I want to take a few moments, and as I was even digging into this this week, I thought, man, this is really appropriate that we look at this, especially as we come to Easter, because Easter, the story of Easter, plays a huge role in, in this uh, concept and, the, and having an understanding of this. And so I want to look at the Last Supper for just a moment. In Mark chapter 14, verse 25, it says this, I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it, uh, drink it new in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments, as we look at your word, I pray, Father God, that you will illuminate it for us. Father, I know that there are those who sit in this room who are watching online. For those who will watch in, in Star Valley, Wyoming, and the Alaska North Slope, and those who will be joining us in Malawi, Africa. And God, we are just so grateful for, for the ability that we have to be able to share your word throughout the world. But God, I also know that many of us come from different places in our faith journey. Some have been in the church for a long time, and others, this may be their first time. So God, I pray that you'll speak to us right where we are. 
that God, you will do what we need to, to have done so that we can progress and move towards you. God, give us a fresh understanding of just how much you love us and what that means for us to be a part of your kingdom. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name, amen. So I want to look at this verse for just a moment, and we're going we're gonna to dig into this story a little bit. But I, as I was reading this again this week, I was reminded of this, this statement. Jesus is sitting at the Last Supper. He knows what's about to take place. He knows that this meal is going to end with his disciples. He's going to, he's going to go to the garden where he's going to spend some time in prayer. He knows that he's going to be arrested and eventually crucified. And so at this dinner, as he's sitting there having this conversation, he says, I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And, and for many of us, we may have heard that verse for a long time. It may be something that we're familiar with this story. But what essentially he is saying is he's saying, I won't drink wine again until the new kingdom is established. Now, for many of us that were raised in the church, I didn't really fully understand what took place I understood that Jesus came and he died on the cross for my sins. And I understood that I needed that because I'm a mess and I need his grace and his forgiveness. And I need that, that powerful blood to be shed so that I can, I can call on his name. And out of that, I can receive the forgiveness of my sins. So I understood that part of the story. But what I never really fully understood was the story in context, and so today I want to take a little bit of time as we start this new series to give you a little bit of context because many of us, when we look at the Bible, we break it into individual little stories. And so we read them as though that's the whole story. It would be like if you walked into, uh, you know, the Star Wars episode four and you saw the, you came in the last 15 minutes and you saw the Death Star explode. Uh, sorry if that's a spoiler alert for those of you who have not seen a movie made in the 70s. Um, <laughs> And you thought then you knew the whole story because you don't know the whole story. You know, oh, what a dramatic, really cool ending to that, but you don't understand the context. And so today I want to give you a little bit of context because when we celebrate Easter, we always celebrate the fact that Jesus went to the cross, but then we celebrate that he's risen, right? So this is super important for us to have the context so we understand when we talk about the last kingdom. When God created the heavens and the earth, there was a divine authority. One of God's main angels, an archangel, moved from under God's authority system, wanting to be, have more control. He put himself into a position of an adversary to God. So Lucifer uh, violated a divine authority structure. He did it out of self-exaltation. He wanted to be more. He wanted to have more. I mean, you know, many times when we sin, it's out of a self exile it's, it's out of that place of wanting more. We don't want to come under anything. We want, to, we want to be in charge. Many of us live our lives that way, and I want you to understand that's what happened with Lucifer. He had come to a place where he said, listen, God, you're fine and all, but I think I could do a better job. And so he steps out from underneath God's authority. Well, man was created by God for relationship with him. And so when Adam was created... He was given dominion and jurisdiction over the earth and all of its resources. So I want, to, I want you to imagine that with me for a moment. God divinely creates this earth and he makes it perfect, gorgeous. I mean, if you, you, if you know, if you've been a river of life for any amount of time, you know that one of the things that I really like is palm trees. Um, and so many of you will go on vacation and you will send me pictures of palm trees. That's not the same thing. 
That's actually rubbing it in that you're at places where it's warm and there's palm trees. I don't like the palm trees just because they're palm trees. I like the palm trees because they're where it's warm and I like to be warm, right? But I was thinking about this and, and one of the things that I like to do when we go on vacation and especially if we go somewhere tropical, I love to take that, that picture, those pictures where it just looks like paradise, and that's in a place where the world is not perfect anymore. I can only imagine what the Garden of Eden must have been like. Like absolute perfection. And so God says, listen, Adam, I, I've created you and I want to walk with you. I want to be with you. I want to I have relationship with you. And so I have actually put you in charge of this whole planet. It's yours. That's amazing. He had complete control over it all. And, and so he says, the only thing that I'm going to ask of you is to be obedient to me. So if you're obedient to me, and the thing is, he didn't give him like, here's 72 laws you've got to follow. He gave him one. Don't eat from this one tree. Now, I can't even imagine what kind of fruit was in the garden. I can't even imagine what there was to eat. It, it was perfection. And so he says, the only thing that I want is I, I want to make sure that I have your heart. So the way I'm going to test to see if I have your heart is I'm going to put this one thing here and I'm going to say, don't touch it. Actually, he didn't say that. He said, don't eat it. Didn't he say anything about touching it? He said, don't eat this one thing. And so he, him and Eve, they get those instructions. At this point, Adam is fully in charge of the earth. That's amazing. So God sets this structure and then Satan, wanting a different structure, approaches Eve in the garden. And we talked a little bit about this story last week, but I want us to look at it again, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Um, of course, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So first of all, I want to look at this for a moment because the question uh, this question makes Eve begin to question the chain of authority, first of all. And second of all, Satan manipulates her in such a way that he says, oh, so you're not allowed to eat anything? Is that the deal? And she not only says, uh, oh, no, it's not that we can't eat any of this. It's just this one tree. And she adds, God never said you can't touch it. He said you can't eat it. But she says, God said, I can't touch it or eat it. Now, Satan is very good at manipulating us. He's very good at changing God's word. She added the word touch, even though he didn't. So Satan shows her that when she touches it, nothing bad happens. So she begins to believe that God isn't telling the truth. Can I tell you, in the day and age that we live, we need to understand that many people will manipulate God's word. They will twist it for their own selfish gain. And the enemy loves it every time that that happens. See, God's word was, don't eat it. Somehow through, through all of this, Eve changes it, says, don't touch it or eat it. I'm going to change what God said. When we begin to change what God says, we open ourselves up to a lot of trouble. 
So through lies and manipulations, Satan gets Adam to usurp God's authority. He now moves himself from under God's authority to under Satan's authority. This is a huge moment that as believers, we need to understand what's taking place. God says, I've created all of this. Adam, you're in charge. You will answer to me, but I'm not going to micromanage any of this. I've put you in charge. And because he falls for Satan's lie, he now, he now eats the fruit and he puts himself not under God anymore, but now Satan is now the ruler of the earth. You know, I didn't know that for a long time growing up. I didn't fully understand what that meant. And we'll dig into that in a minute because I want you to understand there are many verses that will make a lot more sense to you once you begin to understand that concept. You need to understand that God wants children, but Satan wants slaves. When Adam shifted from being un, to being under Satan's authority, he became a slave and all the authority he had was effectively given to Satan. See, God says, I want children, so I, I want you, and I want relationship with you. I, he created us for relationship. That's why we preach that all the time here. This isn't religion. I, don't, I, don't, I want nothing to do with religion. Religion says, follow all these rules, and then maybe you'll make it. That's garbage. It's not what the Word says. God says, I want relationship with you. And so, so much so that he creates all of this, and when we read Genesis, we see God is walking in the garden with them. Because he so badly wants a relationship. So now Adam, Adam hands this, this authority over to Satan, and now he's under this, under the, the, the sinful nature that comes with that. So by Adam's disobedience, we give up his title of ruler of the earth. It's handed to Satan. You ever ask if God is good, then why do so many bad things happen? They happen when men choose to align themselves under the wrong authority. I'll, I'll prove it to you. Before there was sin, before Adam made the decision to usurp God's authority, it would have been God and then man over the earth. They'd have been in charge. But when, as soon as Adam made that decision, now all of a sudden they become slaves to a sinful nature. And for us today, if, if that had never happened, if no one had ever stepped out of alignment, how many of you know the world would be perfect? everything would be perfect. So, so when we say, oh, it's not fair that all this bad stuff happens, can I tell you, that's as a result of sin. Now, don't get me wrong. Something bad happens. I'm not saying, you know, all of a sudden someone in your house gets diagnosed with something and it's not because you've sinned. I'm saying because there's sin in the world, we, we, things changed. So Adam and Eve had been created to walk in an intimate relationship with God, but now they hid from him. So as that story continues, we know that God begins to cry out. I said that last week. Man, where are you? He's looking for them. He knows where they are, but he's wanting to know, where are you with me? So they begin to experience fear. They had never experienced fear before. Everything was perfect. There was no place for fear, but they experienced it in that moment. So the perfect structure has been shaken. So I often would ask myself, why didn't God just like, oh, let's, let's have a do-over, right? I mean, golfers, uh, Mulligan, <laughs> we've, they screwed up, let's start over. Let's erase this whole thing and let's do it again. God could have erased the whole thing, but by doing so, it would have nullified the very structure that God created. 
This is hard for us to wrap our minds around, but when God creates something and he says, this is the rule, how many of you know he applies the same rule to himself? Because that's perfection and it's justice. God would not only violate, would not only violate his own character and ethics, not even to redeem, sorry, he wouldn't do that, not even to redeem mankind. So instead, a strategy had to be put in place to reclaim Adam's forfeited authority. It had to be a strategy that stayed within God's governmental principles. Our God is good. He's all powerful and he absolutely could have. He absolutely could have said, you know what? I don't want sin. Let's erase it. Let's keep erasing it until someone isn't stupid enough to keep sinning. But the thing about it is when God created us, it's because of relationship. So you can't have relationship if there's no choice, right? If, if my wife, if I just like, if, if there was a way that I could, for, many of you think that I must have because of look at her compared to me. Uh, if there was a way that I could force her, I mean, no, that isn't love then. It has to be a choice that has to happen. And so since rulership of earth had been given to man and lost by a man, it had to be a man that would get it back. How could this possibly happen? Every person born in the likeness of Adam and born into the bondage of sin the odds were not in God's favor. But God who finds a way, how many of you are so glad that God is a God who finds a way? Many of you are here tonight because God found a way. God has a plan. Galatians chapter four, verse four says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that's the only way it can happen. Has to be a man. It has to be in the in the in the line of Adam in order for this to work. To redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your, our hearts, crying, "Abba, Father." So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So God becomes man in the person of Jesus. He had a divine, sinless nature over which Satan had no right. And as a son of Mary, he was qualified as part of the human race to enter the legal contest to restore Adam's forfeited inheritance. The first Adam was born without a mother, and the second Adam, Jesus, was born without an earthly father. So that's why it's so important, because if Jesus would have sinned, he would have been disqualified to challenge Satan's authority. This is important for us to understand. Satan's plan was to break communion between Jesus and his father. And in this human body, Jesus was subject to every human temptation and he overcame them all. He had to. If he hadn't, it would have forfeited what he was, what he was set to do. So we see this where, where, God, where Jesus is sent and, Jesus, and we see that Satan for 33 years tried to, to get Jesus to succumb. And even in the wilderness, we see that Satan suggests that there's a way that Jesus could regain authority over the earth, meanwhile avoiding the cross. 
That verse always perplexed me until I really understood the structure of what had taken place. Because look at this, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Now, if they weren't his to give, Jesus would have called them out on that. But because Adam forfeited it to, to Satan, it was Satan's to give. So he could have, he, and, he, and he says, if you'll bow down and worship me, you can have these things and you don't even have to go to the cross for it. But Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What Jesus didn't say is, what are you talking about? Give it to me. It's not yours. He didn't say that because it was Satan's to give. We've got to wrap our minds around this as we think about the kingdom of God. This contest that started in the heart of Lucifer before the world was even created and continued in the Garden of Eden reached its full passion in the Garden of Gethsemane. Listen to this in Luke chapter 22, verse 44. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So Jesus, the pure and holy son of God, was now facing the reality of being made the sacrifice for sin. But as Jesus submitted to death on the cross and bowed his head without one single defeat or failure, Satan's fate was sealed. All of Satan's legal claims to this world and the human race were in fact canceled. John chapter 12, verse 31. The time for judging the world has come when Satan, the ruler of the world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Now, I've, I think I've said this in here before. When I was growing up, we used to sing a song about when I be lifted up and, and lift Jesus higher, lift Jesus higher, off of this verse. When he's talking about being lifted up, he's talking about being hung on the cross. I now think about that song as being a little bit morbid, honestly. <laughs> Lift Jesus higher. I'm like, dude, you're talking about hanging on the cross. But Jesus is saying here, when I do this, when I'm lifted from the earth, I'll draw people to myself and Satan will now lose his authority. Jesus had disarmed and dethroned the adversary of mankind. He had paid the full price for sin. See, the reason that you and I can be in this place today, the reason that we can come to a place where in just a few moments we'll do communion together and we can know that our sins have been forgiven and that we're, we're, we're made, we're made uh, clean and whole before God is because of what Jesus did. Jesus came and he said, listen, Adam blew it, but I'm gonna live a perfect life so that I can hang on that cross. And when I do, then all of Satan's rights are taken from him. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Look how much God loves you. Look how much he cares for you. That he, he, he made a way at the beginning and, and man failed and they screwed it up. And then, and then he said, I've got to get to a place where we, we buy back what was stolen. 
where we take back what I had originally intended. And so God said, I love these people so much. I so badly want relationship with them that I want to adopt them as sons and daughters. So to do so, he sends his only son to die on a cross so that you and I can by accepting him, by saying, yes, I believe that he is who he says that he is. And I love him and I want to follow him. By doing that, not by being perfect, not by getting your act totally together. For many of you in the room, you need to hear this. Because you may look around and go, man, I'm a mess and I'm doing a lot of stupid stuff and so there's no way that God will accept me where I am. And I want you to know that you're sitting in a place right now where there's a lot of people who have done a lot of stupid. And I'm so grateful that God didn't say, make sure that you're all okay and then you can come to me. He said, come to me just as you are. He's amazing like that. If you look at religions throughout the world, so many of them are dependent on how hard I can work and how much I must struggle. And maybe someday they'll accept me. And you see, I was just talking to somebody this week. By the way, I just, I want you to be praying. I had a really good phone conversation this week and I'm believing that the jail is gonna open back up to us very soon. But I was having a conversation with Mitch, who goes, is one of the guys that leads our jail, he's the guy that leads our jail ministry, and, and, and he was talking about how another an, a religion in town, because he's kind of in the know of what's going on, but one of them will send letters to the prisoners and tell them that they're excommunicated from that church because they're in jail. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm so grateful that that's not what the gospel says. The gospel says that that even though you're a mess, that he did the heavy lifting. He's the one that paid the price. He's the one that brings it to us so that we have the ability to have this relationship with God. So a struggle that has lasted since the beginning of the world, a, a tyrant who had authority was moved from the place of power into this place where he has no more authority because Jesus has taken it back from him. See, there are two authority structures still at play though today. Until that day, Satan still seeks whom he can devour. See, one of those authority structures exalts God who loves us enough to send his son so that we can have access and we can have forgiveness. And the other one is looking for slaves. And you may say, well, that seems, I don't know if that's true. Look at it. We often get to a place where we're slaves to our sin. Talk to anybody in the room, and there's lots of them in this room who've been a slave to addiction. See, God doesn't look for slaves. That's why when you know that it's the easy path, it's the one that seems fun and exciting at the moment, it leads you to a place of bondage. See, when when God says, I want sons and daughters, that means it's always a choice. Every day, it's our choice. He doesn't put shackles on you. In just a moment, some of you are going to have an opportunity. You've never maybe accepted Jesus into your life before. And you're going to have that opportunity in a moment. What's not going to happen is you're not going to get to a place where you say yes to Jesus, and all of a sudden, shackles come on. What happens in that moment is shackles come off. Because you've moved yourself from a place of being under the slave master to being under a God who loves you and sees you as a child. (laughs) 
See, many of us get it warped in our head because we think, oh, if I accept Christ, that means I got to let go of all this stuff that's fun and that I like. And what you need to understand is the creator of the universe who designed you and created you, he sees you and he knows you and he knows what's best for you. And so when you say, I'm going to move from under this authority to under his authority, all of a sudden you find freedom inside of life that you've never experienced before. It's the way it's been designed. One offers you to be a son or a daughter. The other offers you to be a slave. But in order to have access, you've got to approach the victor. You've got to approach Jesus. The amazing thing, though, is he's already paid the price. Your sin, if you accept it, See, you have to accept it. Why? That's that relational piece. He doesn't force himself on you. He doesn't say, okay, well, I won, so now you're all my children, whether you like it or not. No, because he wants relationship. He wants you to have to choose. He wants you to say, yes, God, I love you, and I want relationship with you. He wants to walk in the garden with you is what he wants. I'm asking everybody in the room if you'll just close your eyes with me for just a few moments. This evening, I believe that there are, I'm going to say there are many of you in this room who maybe now you have a better understanding of what's taken place. That the God of the universe said, I, I, I want relationship. I'm going to create this thing and I'm going to give it to man and let them do with it. And, and then they fall and they, they do stupid. And, and because of that, it changes the whole structure. And so God says, I've got to find a way to get it back. And so he sends Jesus and Jesus hangs on that cross and he dies so that you and I, I don't deserve it. I've done nothing to deserve what he did for me. But I accept it, and I'm grateful for it. And maybe you sit here tonight, or maybe you're watching online, and you'd say, you know what? I am such a mess. And now my prayer has been today that even as I, even as I explain that idea of the slavery of sin, that many of you right now will feel that. You'll begin to understand, I actually am a slave. I am in some bondage to some of this stuff that I've allowed into my life. I'm telling you tonight, there's freedom for you. The shackles can be broken. Freedom can come to you. You can experience the love of God tonight. And all you have to do is say, yes, I believe. It's not gonna make you perfect. So if we had to be perfect, this, this house would be empty but it is gonna make you a follower of Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna ask, is there anyone in the room right now that would just say, Jason, I, I want a right relationship with God. I wanna come under that authority structure. I want, I want to be free. I wanna experience that. If that's you tonight and you just do me a favor and lift up your hand and catch my eye because I wanna pray for you tonight. All right, brother. Yeah, I see you, man. Yeah, I see you back there. Girl, yeah, I see you way back there. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I see you back there, man. Is there anybody else that would just say, Jason, 
Remember me in this closing prayer. I just want to make my relationship right with God before I leave this room. Yeah, I see you. I'll take one more moment. I think there's a couple more. You're just kind of holding out like, I don't know what to do with this. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? He paid the price because he loves you. One more moment. Is there anybody else that would just say, Jason, you remember me? Yeah, I see you back there. Okay, brother. Not ready to stop yet. One more moment. anybody else that would just say, Jason, remember me in this closing prayer. I just want to make sure. Maybe you've been following God or you've been trying to follow God, but maybe you kind of let your relationship slide. That's you. Would you just put your hand up? Let's, yeah. All right, brother. Good job. Yep. All right. Good. Thank you. This evening, I want to pray. I'm going to ask everybody in the room, whether you raised your hand or you didn't, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. This is this moment where you go, God, I just heard this story and it's amazing and I wanna, I wanna tell you that I believe in you and that I trust you and that I accept that gift that your son gave me so that I can have relationship and forgiveness. So we're gonna pray this together and if you raised your hand or maybe you didn't have the courage to raise your hand but you know you needed to, we you just mean these words as you pray them because it changes everything. The Bible says that when you ask He takes your sin and he removes it from you. It's no longer associated with you. So the mess and the junk that you brought into the house isn't yours anymore. That's an amazing miracle. So let's all pray this prayer together. Will you just repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I thank you that you came. I thank you that you lived a perfect life. I thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. I accept the gift of forgiveness. Help me to follow you from this day forward. Forgive me of my sin. Give me the freedom that your word promises. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna ask you to do something for me right now because I know for some of you, you're like, oh, that was fine, nobody was looking. I raised my hand, no big deal. Can I tell you, you're surrounded by people who are excited that you raised your hand. So if you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Will you just stand to your feet? It doesn't matter if you've been coming to church for a long time or you haven't. Come on, stand up. Stand up. Come on. Come on. There's a couple more than that. There you go. Good girl. Come on. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, guys. You can sit down again. God is good, and he loves you. And I promise you, if you begin to walk this thing out, watch what he does. He has big plans for you. He has big dreams for you. Hey, thanks for listening. 
River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.